Hi, my name is Dr. Richard Mills, and you are listening to Talk Sex with Dick. And we are now on our 13th episode, and so this is an exciting time. Thank you for all the individuals out there who have been listening and for spreading the word, and it really just makes this all meaningful and worthwhile because without the listeners out there and the support from you guys and you gals and you those and theys and thems that uh, this would not be it wouldn't be operational so I just want to thank you for your support today I want to talk about a few things that are happening here that, you know, that are happening in the world. And then I'm going to go on and answer a few questions that, you know, uh, listeners have written in. And so I think that it's exciting. And I just want to thank all my listeners who are writing in to, you know, uh, continue to send those in because, uh, it, uh, really just helps to, as there's somebody out there who's probably has, uh, is, or has dealt with this in the past. And so, all right. So I was sitting and somebody told me this, uh, there's this podcast, uh, it's called Dolly Parton's America. And you don't have to be a Dolly Parton fan to absolutely enjoy this podcast. And one of the things is, is that it really just walks us through who Dolly Parton is. But most importantly, why she is a unifier of people. You know... After listening to some of the episodes, I asked myself and those around me, I said, you know, do you not like Dolly Parton? Is there anything that you wouldn't like about Dolly Parton? And, And they were like, no. And that's because Dolly Parton is an amazing human. And if we had more Dolly Partons in the world, we not might not be going through what we're going through right now. Um, There's an episode, the second episode, I believe it is, it's titled, I Will Always Leave You. And it's about, you know, how Dolly had written, I Will Always Love You, which, you know, many people have covered that song. But that song was really about a place of forgiveness. And one thing that Dolly said, and I think it's true, is that she said, forgiveness is the only thing that we have. So I think there's some truth to those words. And I think it's important that we embrace that. And, you know, sometimes forgiveness is all that we do have because at the end we hold on to so much and it's learning how to let that go there's two situations that have been in our news and uh, there are two issues uh, and I'm going to talk about them the first one is uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Jordan Steffi and he is a gay teen who was struck, um, or who he, he was being bullied and he struck back. And ironically, he is, goes to the port high school in the port, Indiana. You know, um, as you're watching the video, uh, one of the things you see is this kid had absolutely had enough. And he said, you know, call me a fag one more time, talking to the 
guy who was uh, bullying him. And he had just clearly had enough. And well, you know, I do not condone violence. My question is, and as you're watching this video, where was the teacher? You know, working in a space, especially like schools, we need to provide youth safe spaces. And I know some people will argue that we're just providing another safe space. Why do people need safe spaces? And they'll use words like um, snowflake. They'll use terms like snowflake. Or they'll call people who argue for self, you know, safe spaces. They'll call them libtards. And it's not nice. But yet, it's fueling up, you know, we're in such a dichotomous time here in our current political state. It is important that we provide safe spaces. It's important that if you're an educator, and not even for educators, if you're sitting in a space of power and you're seeing somebody that is being bullied, it is your responsibility to step in. And I wonder where the teacher was. Because this fight had been going on. When I was in school, people would call me a fag all the time. And nobody knows how that hurts. And nobody, unless you've been in that space, you know, you, you don't know what that's like. And there's such a negative connotation. But also, if you're being bullied, it's so difficult. And I remember, you know, the teachers would hear it clearly, and they wouldn't say anything. You know, if we look at suicide rates amongst kids, it's much higher for LGBT, but more, it's even, the rates of suicide are even higher for those, uh, for people who are trans or non-gender conforming. And so I just want to say, if you're listening, Jordan, to know that I am standing with you that many people are standing with you and what we should never use our physical violence it's so important that we use our voice but we don't know what that kid when he goes home what it's like for him and we don't know what it is like when they go back into their home and this brings me to the next thing that was in our, that I saw, and it saddens me. There's a kid, his name is Giovanni Milton, and he's, he was 14 years old, and he was murdered by his father, Wendell Milton, in Nevada. His dad said, I would rather have a dead son than a gay son. And he took his son's life. And that is why this is, this is absolutely horrible. That kid and I kept on saying to myself, and I'm getting a little bit emotional as I'm talking about it, it's like, if that kid would have just been able to, to wait until he was 18, 
it's very sad. We need to provide spaces for kids. And so these institutions like school, you know, this kid will never experience what it's like to go to his, uh, you know, to graduate high school. He will now never be able to experience what it's like to go to college. He will never be able to experience what it is like to experience heartbreak. He will never be able to experience what it's like to get married. He will never be able to see his grandchildren because he is not with us because his dad took his son's life and it's very relevant especially in our time when we are dealing in such a culture why we need laws to protect LGBT people but specifically LGBT youth and I'm wondering if this kid if Giovanni had a place to call his own if he could have left and there was an option out there for him would he have been able to leave and that's why it's so important that we provide safe spaces to kids we don't know what they're dealing with when inside their their school life and we don't know what they're dealing with inside their home life and so it's very sad I just think like it's it is when we think about it like to have to think like what if this kid would have been able to just stay in the closet what if he would have been able to just push through and that's such a horrible thought to have to have because nobody should have to be in the closet or push through. And so I just want to let you know, if you're listening out there, to know that it is, it does get better. But there are people standing with you. And you can reach out to me directly. Or there's, you know, the Trevor Project. There's lots of... There's lots of resources out there. And so my thoughts are just, my thoughts are with him right now. And, and let's not forget, because this, this is uh, something that should not have happened. And if you're a parent out there, and you have a child that is LGBT or different, and let's not even say different. Somebody who doesn't identify in a certain way or identifies in another way. It's so important that we provide space. So, because those kids are going to grow up to be adults. And so we need to love and provide space. And so... Again, my thoughts are with him, and uh, let's not forget. <sighs> All right, I'm going to go into answering some of the questions. Um, and uh, I have four today, but I don't know uh, if I'm going to read the last one. Um, but I make because I think that it's important. Um, snooping in Texas. They wrote, It feels strange even bringing this up, but I'm feeling really confused. Well, more so concerned. I recently started dating this guy last week. And we had our first sleepover. What was strange is that when I went to put my clothes away in a drawer that he had reserved for me, 
I went into the drawer below and I noticed there was lingerie. And while I realized I shouldn't have been snooping, I cannot move past what I've seen. Snooping in Texas. Well, <sighs> one, you're right. You shouldn't have been snooping. And, and I know this is curiosity gets the best of us. And we start, you know, when we start dating, uh, we want to find out more about the individual we are with. But you're right. You should not have been snooping in his, in his stuff. Because we don't know, and we can't make it the assumption. It could have been from a former relationship. It could have been the individual may have a sexual fetish. We do not know. And maybe uh, they thought it was possible that you would be snooping. And so my advice on this one is, is that don't snoop. You, it's not, you've been dating recently and it doesn't sound like things are very serious. But we don't know. And it shouldn't concern you. What should concern you is the behavior that you're engaging in. You know, uh, they may have a reason. We don't know, and we should not jump to conclusions because it is so easy for us to get caught up and, you know, making assumptions about this individual and why they have lingerie in a drawer. It could be from a past girlfriend. It could be that they have a fetish. But right now it doesn't sound like you have much room to be to be even asking the question but maybe in a while you could bring it up maybe we just don't know but my advice is is that it's really important that you're not going into where you have not been invited because he did not consent for you to go into the other drawer. And it sounds like the relationship is really new. So I would just say to you to be cautious. And if it's bothering you that bad, maybe it's, um, let's say, so let's tease out these two situations. So let's say he has lingerie in his bottom drawer and you went in there and it was a former lovers you know you may just want to have a conversation about your relationship what does that mean are you guys in an exclusive relationship have you even discussed that that's number one Number two, there could be an explanation that he has a fetish. And that is okay. If you have to ask yourself, you know, what, uh, is this something that bothers you? Or it might not be any of those. So I'm not going to jump to a conclusion. And neither should you. But you need to make sure, and uh, let's use a need, it'd be best if you respected that individual's privacy. 
because so often what we know is that if let's say one person, let's say it is a sexual fetish, there is a lot of shame that could be, you know, there could be a lot of shame associated with that. You don't know if it was a recent Halloween costume, you know? So I would say that one, to respect the privacy but you could also say, hey, I noticed when I was looking in your drawer that I had observed lingerie. And, you know, I uh, just was kind of wanted to know what that is. But to, it may be that he may come across as, why are you searching around a drawer that he did not give you consent to go into. So snooping in Texas, it just may be like you just have to not ask any questions and, you know, or have a conversation about your relationship, whatever it is. All right. So... Somebody had wrote me from written, 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 written. Somebody had written, written in, um, and they are feeling small in Michigan. Mm. They said, feeling small in Michigan writes, right now, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I've been seeing someone for a few months who I really like. It always starts out like this. I will have great chemistry with someone. And then when it comes to sex, I find myself breaking it off quickly. I have this problem. My penis is about an inch in length. I'm afraid that... If and when she should find out about how small I am, that she will dump me. Any advice you have on this is greatly appreciated. Feeling small in Michigan. Feeling small. Well, well, well. Okay, so... Before we go into, and I'm sure you've heard this, and give me just a second, I need to sit back. It's not the size of the motion of the, it's not the size of the boat, but the motion of the ocean. Well, that's great when people say that, but that's not helpful for you right now. I, you know, what is penis size? In American culture, we are so consumed with the size of a penis. I say that all the time with an extra sassy S, penis. And so, you know, I'm totally feeling your concern. And there let's just acknowledge that this is a fear and it can be very scary because there may be some judgment out there and rightfully so about having a smaller penis this is medically known as what's called micropenis. And so some guy, times guys are smaller. And some guys are really big. Some guys are really round. And some guys are really thin. Oh, I felt like that was wrong. And if I play that back I'm gonna copyright that some guys are really long some guys are really short some guys are I I can't even remember I say these things and I'm like I'm gonna copyright that but anyways different people have different 
penis sizes and you know if let's say it doesn't matter whether you're heterosexual homosexual gay uh, it doesn't matter wherever you are at people have different penis sizes and it's so important to understand that well this is a real reality you know it's something that a lot a lot of guys deal with and one of the things that oftentimes as we're looking at intercourse is that people will come in with these belief systems that you know it's how big my penis is that's how much pleasure the individual is going to get out of that and you know what that is not necessarily true so for the straight guys out there um women and their vulva right because again women have men have penises women have vulvas right there's this thing called the clitoris and most women the way that they orgasm is by having their clitoris stimulated. So, you like a washer, windshield washer. Just kidding. I always do this. Like, it's like, hi, with my two fingers when I'm trying to explain it. But no, it's um, women like their clitoris massaged. And so, she may have an orgasm by just having her clitoris stimulated so I would encourage you if you're struggling with this like for all the guys out there who think that they are you know it's uh, there's a couple things that you can do you could you could add there are attachments out there that you know, if you're feeling small, if you're feeling inadequate, right? Because small is in the eye of the beholder. There are attachments that you can buy, which you can insert onto your penis. And, you know, that's perfectly okay. You know, there's also the most important thing is stimulating the clitoris. And so some guys... You know, they'll complain about how their girlfriend or their partner does not get off when they are, you know, having penetrative sex. And that's perfectly okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, let's say you are uh, somebody who is gay and not all gay people like penetrative sex, but sometimes they do. And some people consider themselves tops, right? Well, it's, um, there are multiple ways, the multiple things. Again, you can get an extension, uh, an attachment that you put onto your penis. Um, or, you know, uh, there's also, if you're a top and your partner is pretty open to it, Maybe you put a stimulating vibrator in their anus. It really just all depends on who you are and what you like and, you know, so on and so forth. But for feeling small in Michigan, you know, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it too much. You know, if uh, you're filling in this boat, which it sounds like you are, just to know like you're not alone right sometimes guys will some guys use a penis pump right that can be a temporary thing uh some people take grow pills but it's also to realize that your penis is not the only thing that defines sex and you know well it can be feel embarrassing the person that you know loves you loves more than you know just your penis 
but it can feel very difficult, but to know that you are not alone and, you know, so you can also find a sex therapist in your area if uh, it's something you would like to dive in further. All right. So the next listener, worried in South Carolina. Carolina. They write, I've been dating this guy for a little bit. In fact, he's great. Everything about him is amazing. He's thoughtful, genuine, emotionally available. There's just this one thing. Well, I have my master's degree and well into my career. He never went to college. Things are beginning to get serious, but I'm a little worried about introducing him to my friends, but more so my family, as I'm worried they will judge him. I think this might be a deal breaker. Mm -mm -mm. You know, who's my question is, is uh, who's sorry about that who are you in a relationship with who are you in a relationship with okay that's the thing to think about because we can sit and you know it's easy to think about the negative things it's easy to think about the what other people may think, but you know what? They're not the ones that are in your relationship. And your your friends, if they're gonna judge somebody because they didn't go to college. Well, that's understandable, but they don't sound really like they're into your happiness. And just because somebody went to college doesn't mean that they're not an asshole. You know, if that person is happy, cool. And they may want to go to college, but they may have never have had the opportunity to go to college. And we're making an assumption that they don't want to go to college. And sometimes people don't want to go to college. You know, I've known lots of people who were, one, very successful, and they never went to college. I know lots of people... I'm friends with never went to college and that's perfectly okay that doesn't define who they are as a person it sounds like I would have a have a check-in with my friendships you know it's one thing for them to want our well-being but it's also another thing for them to be in our corner and that can feel very overwhelming when we're sitting in a situation where the people around us, we feel like they're judging us. You know, this person sounds like they're stellar. You said that they're thoughtful, they're genuine, and they're emotionally available. Well, you know, they sound like they're pretty amazing. And, you know... Again, we can't choose our family, but we can choose our friends. And anybody who would judge somebody because they didn't take a path that we took, we don't know. They may be extremely happy with their life. And they may realize that they're happy with where they're at. I would much rather 
be in a relationship with somebody that I'm happy with than have all these, maybe there's, and, and this is an assumption because we can't assume this person is not, you know, we, we cannot assume that this person is having financial difficulty. And maybe this is where they are. We, you know, and what's to assume what they're doing is not a career. And just because you went to college does not mean that what you do is any more important. And they may need to be concerned about you. I wonder if they're thinking, because you didn't mention this, but I'm kind of wondering if they haven't introduced you to their family and friends and they're making an assumption that they haven't because maybe they think that you're you're too judgmental. You know? My, my dad never went to college. My mom did later on in life. My dad's kind of amazing. Never, ever went to college. He did try to go to EMT school. And no, my dad did. He went to to Bible school and uh, he went to Tennessee Temple Bible College back in the day when they were young and in love. And then he left, he left the, left the Baptist congregation. But, you know, my dad's pretty amazing. And he, he has a couple years of college. You know, neither him or my mom graduated college. They both went and got their GEDs. And you know what? I'm pretty proud of them. You know, I, uh, so just because somebody goes to college, they have a, a master's, PhD, you know, I went to college, but I went to college for my own reasons. And, you know, I uh, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing now if I did not go to college. So, you know, it depends. And maybe, maybe they do want to go to college later on. We don't know. But I think it's time to check this judgment that's happening. Again, your friends, they're most... They're most concerned with you should be your happiness. And if you're happy, you know, that's the most important thing. If you're happy and they should love that person, you know, but again, uh, although you didn't say this, well, maybe they haven't introduced you to their family and friends because they're scared of judgment. They're scared of how you might judge their friends. They may have not said that to you, but who knows? But who says that they want to meet your family and friends? I mean, it's a, you would think that's pretty common. I'm wanting to meet your significant others, family and friends, but, you know, who, what's to say that they don't? So, worried in South Carolina, let's put these judgment, these value judgments Let's check them at the door. If you really love this person and they meet all these needs, who cares? If you're in love, that's that's the most important thing. Because what if they've had to learn how to do things in life and they've have more people skills and they, you know, and that's why they are because they've been through a few more experiences not to say that you haven't but it's important so all right worried in south carolina i just want to say to you just love and be loved right and you know if your friends are gonna judge i mean that's i hate that question what is it that you do and i think it's a conversation starter i i used to say that all the time so tell me about what you what do you do you know and it's uh I, a better question is uh so tell me who who you are right so all right well all right 
So I am going to answer this. I've decided I wasn't going to answer this um, question. Then I, I do think it's important. And uh, the person writes, uh, grieving in Kentucky. Uh, I just want to apologize if, uh, if it becomes a little bit emotional because there's a story here. And uh, uh, this person wrote, uh, my husband and I had had the perfect marriage until two years ago when our son was diagnosed with leukemia and recently passed away. It feels like our entire life has been turned upside down and we are falling apart at the seams. We fight. He self-medicates with alcohol and we are no longer connecting sexually. I don't know what to do. I used to believe that our love could survive anything but I'm thinking that we might need to separate. I've even contemplated divorce. I'm feeling so lost and helpless and just wondering what I should do or where I should turn. If you have any resources or information, please let me know. Grieving in Kentucky. That's heavy. You know, um, if you go on to my website um, and you look, the name of, and this is the way I'm going to answer it, is because the way I'm going to answer it is through my own experience. If you go on to my website, Lake Rising Therapy, what you will know this is that uh, it's lake uh, L A I K E versus traditional body of water lake L A K E, and my daughter, she was um, diagnosed with cystic fibrosis when she was when she was a baby, newborn, and. Uh, Cystic fibrosis is a very uh, terminal disease of the lungs. And it's considered to be the, uh, the keeper of children. Uh, and recently they came out with a medication that is now helping manage it. Um, most of the kids develop things like, uh, you know... Uh, they develop uh, the uh, diabetes. They develop an eventually lung failure. And uh, in March, uh, she passed away because um, she had moved to Ireland. And uh, she was waiting. She was on the list waiting for a lung transplant. And it never came and ironically last week uh, we were sitting there uh, her birthday was November 8th uh, and we were <coughs> sitting at a restaurant and a woman who and we never sit at the bar but we decided to and uh, we were sitting at the bar and this woman uh, I won't say her name but she was sitting there with her with herself and we just started to talk and she said it had been four years since she had been out by herself and we were sitting there and uh, just found out so much about her and her husband passed away from Alzheimer's and it was so serendipitous because that was my daughter, Lake. It was her birthday. Uh, and she, we just started to talk. And, you know, 
Thursday. Her birthday was on Friday this year. She would have been 23 years old. And it was difficult, but not as difficult. She passed away in March of uh, 2018, so it's been about a year and a half. But when she passed away, my world fell apart. And I think it's important to share this story because it's so much different. I think to myself, if my parents had passed away, I would feel sad. But the sadness that I felt within my experience losing a child is a different type of loss. You feel like this piece of you, and not to minimize people who lose their parents, but this is a different type of loss. And I remember I kind of lost, lost my, excuse my language, shit for about a year. And, you know, I kind of was like your husband. I was self-medicating with alcohol. I was angry. I was pissed off. My faith was tested even though I knew that my child was sick and I just thought, and I sometimes ask myself, you know, if I just had five more minutes, what would I say? I don't know that it would be necessarily that I would say anything, but I think that I would just want to be with her. And I remember my relationship was in such a bad space. I did not know if we were going to survive that. And I remember coming home, I was just so intoxicated. And I remember there were all these pictures when we went home and some very supportive friends. And there was these pictures with these frames and I felt like I was just in such a lonely state. I remember taking those pictures and putting them in a trash bag and just smashing the bag. And there was glass everywhere. And I felt just so sad. And I felt like she had been erased. You know, so often after somebody passes away, it's so easy for people at the time of the, when we lose the one we love, it's so easy for us to, um, it's so easy for people to forget to pick up the phone. It's so easy for us to fill in the state of, you know, like we are alone. And here's a couple things that helped myself, and I'll share this. I was walking in a, I was trying to make sense of it, of, of Lake's loss, of my loss of Lake. And I was trying to make sense of it, and I was trying to make, you know, what does this all mean? And one of the things that I found is I found this book by a woman. Her name is Lucy Hone. And I didn't, I went into this bookstore. I was in Brooklyn. I think it was in Greenpoint. And I said, I'm looking for a book on parents that are suffering grief and loss. And I remember I was sitting there and there were all these books on grief and loss. And there was this one that this woman handed me. And the title is uh, Resilient Grieving, Finding Strength, and Embracing Life After the Loss That Changes Everything. And again, that's Resilient Grieving, Finding Strength, and Embracing Life After a Loss That Changes Everything. And the author, her name is um, Lucy Hone, 
H-O-N-E, Lucy Hone. And I'll tell you why. I didn't, I was like reading through it and it was a woman. She was a psychologist. And she had lost her, her daughter in a tragic car accident. And I remember just feeling so much anger. And I picked up the book and I took it home. But I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to read this right now. I'm going to save it for time when I can be a little bit more open to this and trying to make sense of it. And I remember I sat there and as I was reading it, you know, I was like, how can this mom say, this woman say, and it was helpful because she had lost her child. And she, and she said, it, it, like, how, how can she have this joy? How can she be resilient after this? And it was, you know, but I realized that grief is a process. I definitely recommend this book. It helped me through a very difficult time. The other thing that I would recommend is to get into couples therapy. It's one of the things that my partner and I had uh, immediately started to do. Because we could not manage this on our own. It was very difficult. I mean, we would fight. I would pick fights. It was bad. And it was because I was hurting so bad and I needed somebody to, to fill what I was filling. And I was so angry at God. And at the, it really has changed the way in which I view my faith. I think it's actually strengthened my faith the situation but I couldn't I couldn't have said that you know but as I would say to people I would say don't ask me how it feels today because my answer might be different like if you ask me today my answer may be different and you know, 15 minutes. I, I don't know. And again, I'm so sorry for you and your husband's loss because it is so different. You know, as we're going through, and what I noticed is, I'm going to say this, and I, you know, sometimes I will share with my patients about my own experiences with grief and loss. And I'm very open about it because when we lose something, especially like that of a child, we feel like our whole world has been wrecked. And it's rough and it's tough and the world is not easy. But the thing that I found that helped and and I was sitting with one of my patients who was talking about a loss that they had experienced. And the year of my daughter's passing, I did a show. And we raised money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And lots of people came out. And that felt so good. And I remember I just felt so overwhelmed by that emotion and that experience but I realized that by doing that and honoring her life that I was able to even though it's not resolved and it always feels uneasy especially around the holidays around birthdays that it really does it does get a little bit easier. 
you know, we, our relationship with it becomes different. And I would encourage you and your husband, you know, sometimes it's just realizing that you're not alone, you know, because she was my biological daughter and not my partner's biological daughter. I felt like I was going through this alone. And one of the things that our couples therapist said to us is she said, Richard, just because he it, it, it was not his biological daughter does not mean that he's not in this grieving process with you. And it really changed the way that I viewed and chose to relate to that experience. So my advice is to you, again, the book uh, Resilient Grieving is a great book uh, by Lucy Hone. But also uh, getting into couples therapy especially somebody who deals or has had that experience with grief. You know, I, uh, I struggle with really like, why would God do this? I really, it, you know, why our kids, it really changed everything about my experience. And I don't know, but I do know that, you know, this is life and eventually people pass away and we shouldn't ever have to bury our children and by the people around us you know uh on sunday this past sunday we went to my friend's performance and it was, you know, community theater thing. And it was okay, you know, not, uh, she was good, but <laughs> it was okay. But we went, it was supposed to be a like a celebration of life memorial lunch, but then it ended up, there were some other people that had came and we were sitting there having brunch and you know people we were like just celebrating and you know people sometimes just don't know what to ask or and we were just like celebrating her you know doing like doing the show and at the end a waiter brought out a dessert with a candle and was like whose birthday is it and i was like oh and it was, so I was, they, they, were, they were like, no, it's not anybody's birthday. And I said, yes, it is. It's Lake's birthday. And so we all sang happy birthday to, to Lake. And you know what? It felt, it felt so good. And so, you know, it's, uh, I felt like God had been, knew I needed that at that moment. But, so for you and your husband, I'm sorry that you're going through this, but to know that you're not, you're not alone. But hopefully those resources, that resource and that advice, and my story helps you in making meaning of your own experience. There's also a, a a group on Facebook, and I'm going to look it up right now. Um, this is a, and I found this to be um, grieving. I'm going to look this up right now because I was in this. Um, it's called loss of a child. It's called grieving anonymous uh, loss of a child. And there is about 6,000 people. And lots of people have lost their children. And, you know, I found it to be very helpful for myself. Connecting with other people who are kind of go going through, as I'm scrolling, it's just people who, you know, holidays get worse things get worse but you know as you go on after the first year and then you get to like the, the you start to move and it doesn't feel like there's so much sting so i hope that was helpful
All right. Well, way to end on such a high note. That was sarcasm. So, um, I want to thank everybody who's tuned in and listened. Feel free to share this episode. Let your friends know. Let the people around you know. Um, and, uh, you know, just uh, continue to share the uh, the podcast. Share the love. And next week, I'm going to have uh, Allison Joy Phillips. And uh, we are going to be talking about circumcision. So she is pregnant and she came in and we uh, are talking about circumcision and, you know, why to circumcise or not circumcise. And what does that mean about circumcision? And, you know, it's uh, it's it's going to be a good time. So... Yeah. All right. Well, we went a little long on this episode, but that's okay. So again, I just want to thank all the listeners out there for tuning in. And uh, until next time, you know, take care of those who you love and take care of those who need love and, you know, uh, give a hug or, you know, a nice emoji or whatever it is to those around you. So, all right. Well, again, my name is Dr. Richard Mills, and you have been listening to Talk Sex with Dick.